yeah, so when I got to the finish, there was a couple of people there and my bike, and then yeah, one of the guys had some pizza and some something to drink and had that, and then yeah, they headed off home, and then yeah, I decided I didn't have anything organised where I was going to stay or anything, so I just pitched my tent in the car park and yeah, tried to get a couple of hours sleep, but sort of woke up feeling like I was you know recovering from an autopsy and uh, yeah, put the call out to try and get some help. Koto, that was Ryan Carr. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. This is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Scott running. Mm. Home of the Kinabalu. Home of the Ultra RC. Home of the black and yellow. Or actually the fetching tan yeah. black and uh, red and white of, mm. of the Kinabalu 2. Fantastic shoe. If I could categorise the shoe, uh, think of it like a gravel bike. It's okay. Yeah, you're trying to traumatise me. A, a gravel bike with appropriate sized tyres. Like yes. it, it's a do it all kind of. If you you know those things, you go, if you had one bike to do it all, if you had one shoe to do it all, I would be going for the Kinabalu R2. And they look kind of like that the, the dad cash beige mm. top really appeals to me um, because it's I, I am that person. So if you go to Scott Running. Dot NZ, uh, check out the delicious line of shoes. They've also got packs, they've got poles, they've got all sorts of stuff. Um, jackets. Jackets, yeah, that my daughter borrowed off Eugene and I haven't bought back. Anyway, uh, you'll get there. I'll bring oh, it back well, one day. Yeah, one um, day. Fantastic. ScottRunning.nz. Wild Things. Wild Things. Wildthings.club. Um, not only can you get access to the library, can you get access to the shop where you get some decent discounts? Can you get access to uh, the trail run directory? Can you get access to other VIP things? Also, you get to learn about these cool trips that they're doing. They're doing one with Anna Frost. Yeah, amazing. What are they do? Where's she do? What, what what's she doing? I don't know. It's with Anna Frost. It's Does it Anna matter? Frost. Do you know one of the things that I love about wild? What I what I love about wild things is when you discuss the concept of resilience, right? And resilience is also often looked upon as an individual thing, like you have to be individually resilient. All the research that I've been reading about resilience, and mm. we're a pretty resilient community, shows us that resilience actually flourishes in a community collective sense. And mm. I think Wild Things yeah. uh, contributes to that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we're tribal enough as it is, and and having that sort of sense, that, that, that commonality uh, and, and access to some pretty cool stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it makes it really, really worthwhile. Mm. Uh, and you can avail yourself of that yes. by signing up for Wild Things VIP membership. You get 15 months for the price of 12. They slip us a little bit of a... Ooh la la. Uh, per person who signs up, um, who uses the code DCR2021. DCR2021. And you can... There's an easy way to remember 2021. It's the same as this year. Yeah. I know. Fantastic. Genius. And Dirt Church Radio is the same as this part. DCR, oh, same I as this part. That I bit out. know. But I yeah. wanted what the DCR was. Wildthings.club. Wild yeah, right. yeah. yeah. 15 months for the price of 12. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. Cool. 
We've got something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Dirtchurch Radio. Episode 155 of Dirt Church Radio. We made it. We did. Mm. And uh, you made it through the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a, it's been a marathon. <laughs> Not a sprint. Well, there's no, been some sprinting. There's been some marathon. It's been, it's been both. But, you know, played havoc with my sleep, i got to say. Did it? Yeah. I didn't watch a single thing. Oh, no, I saw... No, I didn't watch a single part of it. Really? Really. I think first time ever. Fair enough. And not because I'm, I've cup of got... Tea. No, no, it's my cup of tea, but I just was doing other things. But, yeah. I was sitting up late at night and sleeping. <laughs> like, like sleeping, that's what you're doing. Good work. I understood um, we did quite well. Yeah, we did do, We did the bestest. We did the bestest. Lisa yeah. Carrington. Well, I mean... Um, you know, Val Adams just... Wayne tour standing up all over the place. So what you're saying is, if we hadn't had girls there, we wouldn't have really won many medals. Oh, I, hang on, how many how many gold medals were won by men? The the eight mm. rowing that eight. That's it. Rowing. I think that's it for yeah. for golds. Yeah. Wahine tour bringing it home. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, I mean, I enjoyed the running events, you know, Kipchoge in the marathon, far out. Just a picture of composure. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, like, he's been a legend for so long. Um, you know, he didn't have to win, win this race to, no. to cement his place or anything. But, you know, far out. It just, it just put him to a whole other stratosphere. Um, Greatest ever? Yeah. Marathon runner? Absolutely. Absolutely. Distance runner? Yep. Absolutely. Um, just... But he's just so composed. Yeah. And he just, he can, he's got that ability to increase his pace without, there's no discernible difference. Right. It's like suddenly he's running 1427, 35K or 30K into a, to a marathon. It's like, what the hell? He just looks like he's running the same. Amazing. Mm, amazing. Anyway, we had a great run this morning. We didn't Speaking run 40, of 14, 1427 for 5K. 5K. <laughs> no, we didn't at all. But yeah, great run this morning. So yeah. uh, I had to stay within cell phone coverage because yeah. of work. And uh, we ended up doing a bunch of loops up a yeah. hill. So probably not our most adventurous run ever, but I did fall over. But I thought it was a great example of getting it done. Absolutely. You yeah. know, like you're on call. You can't be away from the far, from you know at a, at a cell phone coverage, um, so we couldn't go off herding into the forest. Like easy option would have been, oh, I'll give the run a miss. Yeah. But, but you didn't. You chose to you know get up early and and hit hit the hit that loop. Hit that loop. Yeah, it was you good know? fun. And yeah, it was it'll good be fun. it'll be yeah. good for Blue Lake too. Yeah, that's true. Practicing the loopy loop loop, but it was great. True, true, true. Uh, having you with me there, that was incredible. Mm. And how incredible was it to catch up with Brian Powell? Last yeah. Week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I ran far really as an, an institution, isn't it? Absolutely. Globally yep. in our sport. And so to hear his perspective on so many different things was fantastic. And I I really loved his own perspective yep. on, on his own running as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. And I had a couple of people reach out and say, like, I've got a dog-eared copy of Relentless Ford Progress huh. too. So that was pretty Right. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And this week... Oh, Ryan Carr. Ryan Carr is mm. incredible. Mm. And we've wanted to have him on the podcast for ages. Mm. It just hasn't worked out. And by, not by sheer luck, but he he, he won the Resilience Ultra. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the luck. 
No, that wasn't the luck because no, that was, that was, hard, work. That was yeah. hard work and, and you know, training and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> but as luck would have it, he was snowed into Reefton. Yeah. So, um, we got to chat with him. And, we took and advantage. We took advantage. <laughs> His pain was our gain. But um, this is an incredible conversation. So yeah. he, he's won the Mountain Difficulty Half. He's won the 30K Crater Rim, Jumbo Holdsworth this year. He won the GOAT in 2019. He's yep. run in Europe at a bunch of sky races. He's done some great cycling podium, missions. Podium to Kepler. Yep. Um, and he's the first... The chef, Grunt. The Grunt. Yep. He's the first... Uh, Sorry, you podiumed at the grunt, uh, and uh, he's the first shepherd we've ever had on the show. That we know of. That we know. You know. He's the first, yeah, he's the first uh, self, self-disclosed self shepherd yes, we've had true. on the show. Professional shepherd that we've had on the show. Yes, that, that. Um, but, yeah, great conversation and some cool um, conversations about travelling. Remember that thing you used to be able to do? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And I remember yeah. the first time I met Ryan, and again, yeah. it was in 2017, and it was at Grant, it was the house that we were staying in for Kepler, yeah. and Grant threw what could only be described as a mad party, and just people pretty much went apeshit. And I had to go somewhere else and then came back, mm. and sort of like, Ryan's got not very much of a bottle of Sailor Jerry's rum left. You know, but he was steady as, as a rum. I was like looking at the bottle of rum, looking at him. But he was just kind, nice, approached me. He was like, you know, recap Kiwi Tarana, but talked about, you know, mm. what he'd done and how, you know, like just how much it meant to get the podium at the ground. And then, mm. yeah, he ended up in the lake later on. But that was another mm. story that we didn't go into there. But yeah, the man's a ledge. He's, he's, a, he's a good dude and uh, a brilliant. This is, you talk about low-key people getting... Just who get after it. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah, incredible. Just gets it done. Just getting it done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How you been, man? Yeah. You here, Kwe? Yeah, I'm uh, getting ingi aho. Oof. I'm tired, mm. but good. And good. Um, yeah. You know? You're still on call. Still on call. Had a call just before we came to air. Had three calls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I, yeah. and not my job, uh, once every... I guess it's two months. I go on call for a whole week. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it's 24 7 over the weekend. And then after sort of between five and eight, five at night and eight the next morning. So mm. um, I've been coming off a week of that and it's been pretty good. But yep. it is, it, the adrenaline does drip feed. You know, you, never, yeah. you can never fully relax. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But, you know, looking forward, loving running, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to, uh, 24 hours of Blue Lake. When's, when's that? It's 25th of September. Mm. And I had this um, I had this so kind that's of... that's next month. It's next oh month. Oh, my goodness, it's August. It's August, man. How did that happen? I'm looking forward to it. I had this ill-conceived idea that I'd do like the one lap an hour mm. thing, and I was like probably a bit excited about three laps, and I'm, I just don't have the the gumption for that. So I'm uh, mm. going to do the Midnight Marathon and uh, with Rebecca. And nice. It's going to be really good. It's going to be yeah, good. Exciting time. It's so. going to be good. Yeah. Um, but what about you, man? How are you doing? Oh, Pukamahi, but busy. But yeah. good. Good, good, good. Um, first week back of proper training. I suppose, you know, not really, whatever. Um, slowly building. But like, like I said, thwarted by the Olympics a bit with the late nights. Yeah. What's the latest you've done? Oh. Uh, 9.30? <laughs> yeah. One time it was 9.35. <laughs> it was crazy. No, <laughs> That's no. about me these days, 9.30. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of which, we should get on with it. But um, yeah, I'm. I'm. No, what's the latest you good. did? Oh, oh, after midnight. I don't know. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, the races were quite late. the The track and field's always on late. Ah. Mm. 
So oh, anyway, and I watched the I watched the modern pentathlon. Have you ever watched that? No. The other night it was on, and I just couldn't take my eyes off. It was so brilliant. So they do they do swimming. Yeah. They do sword fighting, which you're supposed to call fencing. Modern. Yep. Yep. Then they do um, horse riding. Yeah. All and skills then they do, that you need in the dreams. Well, and then they do running and shooting. I thought we could talk to the gun club at Riverhead and sort this out. So you do a, you do a run, and then you got to stop at a firing range and fire. So you got to get your heart rate down, and then run a little bit more, and then stop and fire. I got to say, I can't see many people from the gun club doing that. Anyway, well, the ones but, at the top where yeah. you can see into the gun club probably be in, into mm, the sports mm, shooters. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks it was amazing. And there's a British woman won it. Really? Yeah. I mean, to get your heart rate, Took the gold. Yeah, we should get Gareth. Yeah, Gareth Thomas getting. How's he on a horse? I don't know, but he's pretty good at shooting and running. So. He is. Does he swim and ride a horse? I don't know. We're going to find out. All right. Modern pentathlon. I'd hate yeah. to see what the old time pentathlon was. <laughs> Speaking of things that rhyme with pentathlon, mm. Patreon patrons, well, not really, but mm. P, uh, if you'd like to support what we do, we'd love you to come on board by setting up a regular donation, even for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. It would help us do things that are a bit outside of our reach at the moment, like buying swords and guns yep. and horses. Yep. They're laser guns, by the way. They're oh, not proper guns. Dumb. Well, they, well, they are proper guns. What, do you mean, guns. hang on a second. Do you mean like laser guns like Han Solo Star Wars blasters or like just laser pointers? I don't know. I, I was just watching the TV. Patreon.com slash Church Radio. They didn't have bullets, that's what I meant. Cool. Yeah, do that. Right, okay. Got it. Yeah. So we talked about this for the one thing I'm not gutted about. I'm gutted about laser guns. Mm. Uh, we've talked about this for the past few weeks. Carl Sabe from Belgium. Mm. He's gone and done it. Yeah. He smashed the FKT on the Via Alpina 85 kilometers a day, mm. 26, no, yeah, 2,631 mm. kilometer length mm. of the Alps in 30 days, eight hours and 57 minutes. That mm. shatters the previous record of 44 days. Mm. Holy friggin' moly. It's a sixth FKT mm. legend. Although I'd stay away from this dental surgery for a couple of days. Until gets yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> oh. Put that general, yeah. that local right in your eye. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <sighs> keeping on the Olympics jam, how good would it be to have an ultra trail race at the Olympics? Would it though? Please mm. get amongst this listeners yeah. now. Because right. you could... Have you seen cross-country mountain biking at the Olympics? Like the mountain biking? Yeah, it's called cross-country mountain biking. Yeah. And now they have sort of specific... Anton... Yeah, yeah. Came fifth, sixth? Anton Cooper. Cooper? Yeah. So they have this specific thing. They've got a rock garden. They've Mm. got drops. They've Mm. got stuff Mm. that they Mm. put into it. And and it's really... Would you like to see a trail ultra at the Olympics? And what would that look like? Mm. I'm just asking. No, but I'm only asking questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, it would, I mean, you know, a loop course of this good TV coverage. Um, you know, 100k, 60k. I don't know. Uh, maybe just 40k. Yeah. When I say just 40k, 42k. Um, I mean, the heat would be an issue because it's always in summer, and it's always in hot places. Yeah. Um, but still, I don't know. I saw it'd be pretty. I mean, it would be pretty awesome to see. Yeah. A team go out, but you'd want. You would want a degree of technicality with it, otherwise it would yeah. just be like Oh yeah. Put some a cross country race. Put some Pegasus on Kipchoge and yeah, get it's like a slap the, on the, the world cross country champs yeah. run on like a golf course. Yeah. 
Yeah. But but no, pro- a proper trail race. So ride in, climb and slide into our DMs, let us know. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? Trial running at the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, your nay. Mm. Hey, uh, Nigel Neem. Yes. Who we mentioned on the show the other week, who was going to run around the Waihi mine to he's raise only, money. He's only bloody gone and done he's it, hasn't gone he? Gone and bloody done it. Yeah. He was raising money for the Waihi College Year 7 and 8 basketball team. And he went and uh, not only completed his 26 laps, which was 100K, he, he smashed his fundraise, fundraising target too. Fantastic. Awesome. That's yeah. really awesome. And if you think about it, like when we say run around the Waihi Mine, those of you from, not from Aotearoa, New Zealand, I mean Google the Waihi Mine. Mm. It's a big hole. It's a big hole. Like, I'm glad he didn't fall into it. Yeah. There'd be no coming out of that it. That wouldn't be fun. No. No, no, no. Joe Ryder, our yep. Crater Room Ultra giveaway winner, has yep. set up a give a little page for her fundraising, and she is doing fundraising for the Trailblazers Running Club and Speed Freaks. Yeah. And way to pay it forward, Joe. And we'll mm. put it in the show notes. Yeah. But so she's That's, she's amazing. She really is. And um, so, yeah, so we're sort of supporting her because yeah. it's our fault. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Okay. Race it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, so, beautiful thing. You've got to talk over the thing. So in the Resilience Ultra yes. was run at... Where was the Resilience Ultra? At Reefton. In Reefton. Yeah. In the South Island, mm. and so as you'll hear in the interview, yes, the 62-kilometer race was shortened to a svelte 49 kilometers mm. due to the damage that was done by the um, flooding mm. and everything like that because there was some very, very serious damage done to the west coast of the South Island in the recent uh, weather. But Nonetheless, people got amongst it. They got after it with mm. a vengeance. So in the aforementioned 62 kilometer the ultra distance, uh, seniors Naomi Brand first in 5.30.07, Fleur Pawsey in 6.07.30, and Karen Giles in 6.08.21. And you already know that Ryan Carr won the men's 4.25.58, Andreas Romanos 5.10.33. Good to see him getting out there. Yeah, good to He's, see him getting yeah, out there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben Ellis uh, 5.13.33. In the 33K, which was called the painkiller, nice. somewhat ironically. Mm. Um, Katie Smith, 40207, Emily Osborne in 40447, and Susie Wood in 410.06. And in the men, Silas Carey. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, 321.44, John O'Dobbs, 322.19. Nice tight finish there. And Ian Reeves, 333.26. In the 10K Masters, it was Jan Hales in 51.23, Jamie Irons in 53.14, and Kim Hamilton in 55.15. And the men's Christopher Pike, 46.22, Paul Stott, 47.46, and Dean de Klerk, 48.57. The Rotorua Winter Forest Festival. Yeah. Yeah, I love Rotorua. Is that in, in Whakarewarewa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trail runs are 22, 12, and 6 kilometers, as well as mountain bike events. Uh, the long course, uh, Hannah Oldroyd, 132.06, Lisa Clow in 138.19, and Jess Whaley in 142.34. And for the men, Steve Morrow, 128.30, Richard Spear, 137.56, and Diego Meres, 138.36. Yikes. For the mid course, it was Joe Barnfield in 109.50, Kate Walker in 110.13, and Kim. Wearsma in one ten thirty seven, and for the men, Josiah Nay forty eight oh five, Alex Dodds fifty eight forty eight, and Tom 
Tom Bridgman, 56-52. For the short course, Mirabella Breen, 30-09. Melissa Van Leeuwen, 30-25. And Katie Dean, or Kate Dean, sorry, 30-44. And for the men, Aidson Mahi, 25-11. Fletcher Trembath, 27-51. And Finn Rowley, 28-39. So back to Europe. Yeah. Seasonal. Yeah, was back. Stacked. Yeah. So they had Killian Jornet, eight-time winner. He was there. Three-time winner, Lucy Marigi was there. Uh, who wasn't there, yeah. really? You know, thirty-one k, two thousand meters of ascent, yeah, including a gut-busting thirteen hundred meter climb to start, mm. and then a five hundred meter drop mm. to the finish. Savage, Oof. savage. So more, yeah, yeah, Maud Maud Mathis um, was she was dominant from the start in the women's race. Um, Killian and the men's hung back in the lead pack before taking off. So Maud sort of pushed hard to the finish and ended up with enough of a gap to take in um, time for the crowd crowd adulation at the finish for her third victory in a row. Um, and uh, she's also the record holder on that on that course. Um, and so her time was two forty six oh three. Nine Kabrinkman was second in 248.58, and Anae Sabri was third in 255.23. And Killian came home in 231.44, with Robbie Simpson powering through the field to notch up his fourth second place. Wow. Mm. In 232.26, and Cesar Mastody was third in 233.51. Wow, that's a tight finish. It is. Yeah. Well, I think Killian sort of mucked around at the end a little bit, to, so that might have inflated, made it look a bit closer than it actually was. Robbie, <laughs> Robbie said it was his best fourth, uh, best second place finish. Yeah, of his four. Um, just a note too to say that the race started the women's field fifteen minutes before the men, so that there could be better coverage of the women's race. That's excellent. Love that. Love it. Right. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever. Which is the part of the show where we ask you to write in and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race. Or a mountain summit, it might just be a run around the block. Something that's sung to you for some reason, send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. This one is from Emily Marfell, and this is an edited version that you're about to hear, and you could read the whole version on the website, and I encourage you to do so because it's a doozy. Matt's taking a glass of water. Right. My greatest run ever. At the moment, my greatest run ever is the old Ghost Ultra 2021. I'd probably describe it in the image of a great white shark or a great escape or my greatest run ever, and we're not talking carrots. I know I'm fortunate with a lot. My lot. A 42-year-old mother of two live wire littlies who grow up with my cool husband, Stu. I'm a GP in the wee town of Blenheim. Why Harakeke? Why Harakeke? I've never heard the no. name for Blenheim. That's no. amazing. Why Harakeke? It's a privilege, this job, helping inside people's lives, but it is an energy sponge. Mm. I hear you, sister. Um, so leap to 5.45 a.m. on a West Coast Saturday, and the curiosity had traveled a spectrum through trepidation to overt fear. However, the excited mass of strangers swept me over the start line, and we're on our way to Specimen Point, 17 kilometers away. All went smoothly and quickly. I regretted taking my son's toy head torch. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that, that poked holes in the darkness like a toothpick. Soon enough, however, dawn arrived with the first aid station. It was a surprise to be there so quickly. I set off bushy-tailed Sorry. and energetic into the next longest section, possibly overconfident. So we go on a little bit here uh-huh. and read it on the website because... 
it's, it's, it's fantastic. Suddenly, a low root on the track caught my foot and I hit the ground. It was fine. I just took bark off a few extensive surfaces and got a bit of a fright. After a stat dose of soft jubes and some friendly words from others, I was on my way. The only perturbing thing was that I kept stumbling a bit. My feet felt like fish slices. Sometime later, we opened up into the bright morning sun and began the hanging judge climb. It must have been about 9am by now and I got a real sense that a hot day and magnificent country awaited. Bang! I was on the deck again. This time, there was no soft underbelly of bush. There was a harsh, white, toothy rocks. Ow! This one hurt in lots of places. As I picked myself up off the ground, a group of honest Blenheim runners rounded the bend. We simultaneously noticed the puddle of blood collecting on those rocks below me. I'd managed to slice my elbow open like a surgeon. Oh, the cut was about eight centimetres long and right down to fascia. Oh, an inch or so in. Anyway, we set to and wrapped it up. The mandatory crepe bandages were handy in triplicate. I was mindful that I was holding all these lovely people up, so I told my new story. I had all day to get to the finish, and get there I would, I said confidently. They reluctantly set off, their eyes said something different. Here was that moment that where that story I told became my reality. I was going to finish game on. Again, we're working through this. Mm. To be honest, it wasn't that much fun for a long time. I can't imagine it would have been. Yeah. So in, in, in addition to fish slice feet and a eight centimetre laceration in the elbow, um, now she says I had angry ribs. I ran 10 steps, then walked 10 steps over and over. Eventually I climbed the staircase to the magnificent open bridge in the baking sun. Ghost Lake Hut was a distant cube with a gaping chasm of air before it. I passed a bloke lying on a teeny patch of shade, discarded like a colourful takeaway wrapper. Surprisingly, he was chipper and chatty. Just taking a break, he said. Fair enough. <laughs> there was a new problem, though. I kept tripping. This had never happened to me before. Perhaps a dozen times I fell on the deck, and it had come out of nowhere like a wakeboarder catching a front edge. My fish sliced feet were scooping anything, and sometimes nothing. I got scared. I told a lovely volunteer at the final aid station about it with 18k to go. I wavered on my finish line story and started talking about helicopters. However, I had a lucky save. The volunteer said cheerily that a chopper couldn't land in this dense bush, but not to worry. Even if I'd walked, it'd only be four hours to go. (laughs) Sweet as. There wasn't much to do, but Carry on. I ran out of the aid station determined not to make a four-hour job of it. A corner or two later, I caught my best... Oh, dear. A corner or two later, I caught my best wakeboard edge yet. As I picked myself off the dirt, I realized my elbow was dripping a decent flow of blood, despite the crepe bandages. The next person to round the corner was another Emily from Blenheim. She sensib- Was it other Emily from Blenheim? She sensibly said to hold it up. So here we were, standing in the bush with my arm high in the air, wondering what to do next. We bound my arm with more crepe bandages... And then I had a glacial 18 or K, so 18K or so to the finish. I knew I'd covered the course, but sometimes I wonder how. It was a quiet person who arrived at the finish. I had a few tears, but not many. There wasn't enough energy for that. I just wanted to hold on to my super calm husband, Stu. He was intrigued and patient, and we found our way to the medic tent. I got VIP treatment again, with a ginger beer, a squashed ham sandwich, and some enthusiastic irrigation of my gashes. This was followed by good meaty sutures into my elbow as I relaxed on Stu's grand's picnic rug. I was so grateful to John the medic for sorting me out on the spot. It was typical old ghost pragmatism and care, which which I had been a recipient of over and over. For a while, I wasn't sure what to make of my run. I felt a bit silly, like perhaps I'd bitten off more than I could chew, or that I'd made a spectacle. The skin wounds healed first and cracked ribs second, but I mulled it over for longer. 
However, I've come to realise how spoilt I was on this day. The people who make the old Ghost Ultra gave me the chance to complete my own adventure. There's a difference between discomfort and danger, and I don't think I ever crossed that line. I guess then maybe I'm an actual runner. Now I run hills before dawn, and sometimes my mind wonders to how I will feel at 5.45am one Saturday next February. First I get a bit scared and shudder the way. Next minute I'm, pla- I'm in planning mode. I will leave the fish slice feet at home, but I think I'll take a solid crepe bandage, my good head torch, lots of ready salted chips and a vest full of grateful smiles and stories. To have these things to get worried about is a privilege. I know I'm super fortunate to be a runner. Emily Marfell. Wow. That was excellent. I don't think, I fell over today and as I said to you, I fell over and I was like, this is going to hurt. And then I went onto my knees and I was like, this is going to hurt. And you know, you're like, it was like hurt, hurt, hurt. Yeah. And then you lay there for a bit and just go, I'm not, I'm not hurt. Yeah, yeah, I've got so many falling over stories. Um, And, but I could feel each one of those that you described, Emily. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. But um, I love your, yeah, you know, to have these things to get worried about is a privilege. Absolutely right. Mm. Thank you, Emily. And the rest of you all, keep them coming. Keep them coming. We love them. Emily said that basically she sent this one in because she felt bullied by us for all these years. For So, you know, I mean, we don't like to be bullies, but send them in. Go on. All right. The, I was just going to make some sort of... Bullying joke? Charge nurse, bullying doctor's joke. Yeah, oh, yeah, true, 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 go. true. That doctor, nurse thing. That's yeah. right. On Radio. with the show, Ryan Carr. Yes. As we said at the top, Ryan's a legend. He is. And... A, a, Bit of a quiet achiever, yep. you know. He's been in a couple. He's been on Trial and Mag. Uh, he had a really good uh, feature, and I think it was episode. It was, oh, maybe episode, not episode. Issue edition. Issue thirty-seven oh. of Trial Run Magazine. Fantastic uh, interview with Ryan. I've known him since two thousand seventeen. Um, he just he just crushes it. Really, Gets what it a done. great attitude. Mm. Um, and. We'll let this conversation speak for itself. It's mm. just fantastic, uh, fantastic good old yarn with the amazing Ryan Carr. Ditch Radio. We've got a special treat for you tonight. Stuck in Reefton is Ryan Carr. Ryan, how are you, man? Um, I'm good, guys. Yeah, really good. How are you guys going? We're good. We're good. I, I, I just need to clarify where Matt says stuck in Reefton. You know, like there's good places. It's a good place to be, surely. Oh yeah, no! It's, not it's not actually, dissing Reefton. <laughs> for all our um, Reefton audience, it's, it's surprisingly good here. Actually, it's a it's a really cool little town. But I mean, when I say stuck, you are literally sort yeah. of you're, you're snowed in. Yeah. So um, yeah, the Lewis Pass and Porter's Pass are both closed, as well as State Highway One. So I can't actually get back to uh, to Amberley from where I am. So yeah, but you know, there's worse things in the world. That could have happened. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and what were you doing so far down south? Um, so I've been over here for the Resilience Ultra, which was yesterday. Fantastic. And how did that – and I understand you had a quite a good result. Yeah, it, um, it probably went like as good as I could ever imagine it would go. Like everything just sort of, I don't know, just went really well. Like it, I don't know, felt good, energy was good. You know, it was just good, good trail, good rough sort of, a lot of mud and bogs and rocks and roots and um, you know plenty of people, marshals out on course supporting and that sort of thing and yeah, it was awesome. 
And so yeah. it's the first year that the Resilience Ultra has been run. I mean, do you want to do you want to kind of take us through it? What what do you what sort of course is it? Um, yeah, so it's the first year they've held it. There's so I was doing the ultra, which is supposed to be sixty two kilometres, but because of all the floods they had a few weeks ago here on the coast, um, I think a lot of the track was damaged and it wasn't safe to have people going around the main course. So they changed it and it was forty nine k's, but it's um. You just sort of threw some new trails and that sort of thing um, just around Reefton here. Wow. Um, and they also have, yeah, 33K and a 10K. And the weather was pretty heckers by the looks of it. Um, yeah, quite a bit of rain coming through at times. And, yeah, but um, even when it wasn't raining, it was still sort of raining because you're in the bush and, it, you know, it just keeps right. falling down and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, sort of just chilly enough but not, yeah, not too bad. Good, good West Coast weather. Uh, I yeah. mean, and you, you, you know, your winning margin was was what, more than half an hour. So, sort of, oh, wow, forty five minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, but um, it was a lot more than I was sort of expecting to do anyway. That's yeah. for sure. So, was yeah. that we out on your own all day, or how, how did it work for you? Well, half the day. Um, no, so I started out. There was a young guy, um, Ben Williams. We sort of both took off fairly keenly from the start and he was actually pushing the pace like just sort of getting towards the point where I was like about to you know have to let him go and back off and then I we hit the single trail and after about mm, four or five k maybe and um yeah after a bit um he started just sort of dropping off and I thought oh I can't really let off here I just kept the hammer down and yeah basically just kept the hammer down for the whole way after that um and managed to hold it together so yeah, couldn't have couldn't have gone better. Fantastic. Uh, it feels like you're kind of back on back up to step. I mean, I, I first met you in God was it 2017, and it was uh, at Grant Geyser's house after Kepler, and, and, <laughs> and you came up to me and started chatting. You know, you were you were excited. You'd placed third uh, in the Grunt, and you were really really happy about that, and and started kind of chatting to me, and and then. You know, your journey's been quite sort of, you know, you've had some some highs and some some challenges, but it feels like you kind of you you really back at it. Yeah, yeah. So I've dealt with a lot of like not bad injuries, just a lot of little niggly things, and haven't been able to like get decent training in to be able to do big races and that sort of thing. But yeah, the last oh maybe twelve months or more, I've just sort of been chipping away a bit more solidly, and yeah, had a good sort of build up the start of this year and then um yeah good race at Mount Difficulty and then I don't know, just thought it was time to you know step up to a bit bigger race and just yeah see how it went and um yeah my build up to this race was like I don't know pretty much went exactly to plan like hit all the you know the key sessions properly and the long runs well and um yeah and it just I don't know just all clicked and finally yeah like you said back up on that step it's it's a pretty good feeling actually hmm. And I mean, are you? Uh, and I guess for those who don't know, I mean, are you still working as a shepherd? Um, yeah. So through the winter, I've actually been pretty much just possum trapping on one of the stations I do mustering on, and then yeah, through the summer and that, I've still been doing shepherding. And I've actually just got myself a job on a station down at Glenorchy, so I'll be moving down there at the end of this month. So that'll be pretty cool. Looking forward to getting down there. What will you be doing there? 
uh, just yeah, shepherding still. Yeah, just on a um, on a farm there. Yeah. yeah, and when I mean, you know, there's there's different things that come to different people's mind when you say shepherding. Can you explain? Like, I remember you telling me at the time what your sort of day job entailed. I mean, how much how much vert are we talking here? How many kind of how how much sort of in distance and and, and vertical gain are you are you getting into a day? Um, I don't know, it sort of varies a lot from like week to week as to what's going on, but say like the week leading up to the Resilience Ultra, you know, just this week, um, on Wednesday, for instance, I did about 22 kilometres, I think it was, and maybe 1,800 metres of vert over about 10 hours, and it was just like sort of constantly moving all day. You might stop for, you know, 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, but you sort of, yeah, you're just sort of on your feet moving around. Um some weeks, you know, you might do that two or three times in the week, but other times you'll go, it might go a month without doing any big days like that. But um, just in general, like all the farm work, you you know, you're on your feet all day. And so, yeah, I think it really does help, you know, contribute to the base fitness. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you, are you, so you're, you're literally on feet. Are you, are you, are you walking that or do you fit in any running around it as well? Or what do you, what do you do during the day? Um, yeah, it's just most of it's walking for the mustering that anyway in the farm yeah. work. Um, sometimes might be on a, you know, a quad bike or in a truck, but yeah, mostly walking. It's a lot more pleasant walking too, because you know, there's no noise of an engine battling away and that sort of thing. Mm. And how yeah. many, how many, how many head of sheep are you, are you sort of mustering at a time? Um, that depends too. Yeah, that all depends on, you know, which station I'm on and that sort of thing. Um, the one I've been working on. I think there's about 5,000 like breeding ewes there. So I think the biggest mobs that would be there would be like 2,000 sheep you'd be bringing in. But then I've worked on um, other places where, you know, we've had a mob of like 14,000 sheep on the move. Wow. You've got, you know, five or six shepherds working them all to where they need to be going. It's, um yeah, it's probably quite different to what a lot of the listeners probably would see. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, are you, I mean, sorry, this is not the shepherding podcast, but while it we're could here, be, yeah, <laughs> but while, while we're here, so are you? Are you? Um, this is probably I'm going to expose myself here as a complete city twat, but anyway, are you on the land at night, or or do you go back to HQ, or you know, back to your corporate headquarters, or what? What, what do you do by night? Um, yeah, so usually just back to either a hut or a cottage that I might yeah. be living in on the station, or yeah. You always pretty much always going back to some sort of house at night anyway. Yeah. 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 Right. And are you yeah. working with dogs? I mean, I'm guessing you've got dogs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've got a team of sheep dogs. I've got yeah, five sheep dogs. And I've also got um three hunting dogs too. So yeah, got a fair old family kicking around. <laughs> And on top of this, I mean, so you, you know, moving up to your, you know, you said you hit your key sessions and stuff. How much on top of that are you, what was your biggest week? Um, my biggest week leading up to this last race was, I think, 71 kilometres. And, you know, maybe five and a half, six hours. Wow. Um, I've never, never been able to actually do big volume i think that's partly because the you know all the time my feet mustering but also because i probably don't do enough um recovery work and strength work and you know maintenance stuff and all that but 
hopefully I can sort of just keep building away quietly mm. anyway. Mm. What, what time of the day do you do that? How do you fit your training in? Um, oh, it's sometimes hard, but um, this through the winter, for instance, I've just been doing the possum trapping, so I've been trying to work it so that I could, you know, finish it two or three o'clock in the afternoon, have time to sort of chill out for a bit and then get, get my run and, and, you know, make sure I've got it all done before dark so that, you know, six o'clock rolls around, I'm actually back in the hut or back in the cottage, you know, just chilling out, mm. um, eating food and whatever else I need to do. Mm, mm. Mm. And what, so when you said you hit your key sessions, what, what, without giving away any trade secrets here, but what, what were you doing in the build up to this Resilience Ultra? Um, what were some of those sessions? Sort of, Few hill repeats, like longer hill efforts. I think the probably the hardest one I did was like just yeah three times eight minutes uphill, um, and yeah just some like flat tempo stuff, some rolling tempo. Yeah, just I don't know, just the usual run of the mill sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Nothing, you know, too crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember. I mean, I remember when you spoke to me in 2017 one of the things that you impressed upon me was just how much kind of how much running had taken an increased uh you know place in of importance in in your life because in 2016 you know you had something pretty uh traumatic happen you had your you had your jaw broken (laughs) yeah 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 that's right um fortunately i was i copped a a stray punch from someone and uh yeah it sort of put me out for a bit um it was about six weeks of basically living through a straw and uh yeah had a lot of time to think i guess about everything and yeah so it's taken on so you you were you were pretty clear that sort of you could either kind of not sit back and let life happen, but you were going to get after it basically, and 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 try and grab, especially running with with sort of both hands. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and even like before that, I was doing a lot of hunting and that sort of thing on as well. But I sort of, I don't know, decided to try and just really hook into it and focus on it and put a lot more attention into it. Um, mm. But yeah, I've probably backed off it a little bit lately and found a pretty good balance of you know, fitting everything I like to do in, in with my time. So, yeah. Mm, mm. That's awesome. And, I mean, like, you, you do like to, you know, you've always seemed like yeah, you're doing something active. I mean, what what went into your decision when you decided to enter the GOAT at Tongariro that you were going to, you know, you were going to take a direct route up there, but it was going to take you a couple of couple of weeks. I mean, you you cycled from, where were you living at the time? Uh, from Amberley. Oh, right, in Christchurch. Just north of Christchurch, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, loaded up the loaded up the trusty steed and and, and off you went. How was that? Um, it was it was so good. Um, I don't know. It's just something about just rolling through the countryside on a bike, you know, with everything you need to survive. Um, I don't know. It's just like it was a yeah. It was totally awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what made me like decide to do it, but. Uh, yeah, I was I was so glad I did. It was ten days on the bike, I think. It was a thousand kilometres um, to get up there, and then yeah, run the goat. Had a pretty decent run there too, and then yeah, um, carried on the journey. Went from after the goat, 
paddled the Whanganui back on the bike at the bottom of the Whanganui and then <laughs> I um I sort of got there's this idea of floating around. Well, there's a guy Barrett Hocking who I think you guys probably know of. He's a great yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I was just asking Barrett just in general conversation about the SK and because he'd done the SK main range, I think, and just sort of asking questions and he took these questions as like gospel that I was actually going to do the SK. So <laughs> um he he started announcing it on the, the Wellington BSR page and oh, things no. like that. And it came to a point where I was sort of like, Oh, oh it's all out there, might as well do it. So yeah, on my way back home on the bicycle I stopped in by um I think it's, is it Ikatahuna? Stopped in there and yeah, decided yeah. to hit the main range. You're getting after it. Twenty one fifteen. Yeah, twenty one fifteen. I uh, starting it. I just wanted to, you know, go into twenty four hours and sort of. I knew it was going to be pretty damn hard, and I, I didn't realise it was going to be quite as sort of epic as it was. But um, yeah, it really. Yeah, it was a pretty cool time out. Twenty one hours is, you know, it's a lot more than anything I've ever done before in one, one push like that. Um, and yeah, turns out I missed the, the solo, unsupported FKT by about thirty seconds or something <gasps> like that. Something no, on those lines, no. Which I had no idea at the time, but even um, oh, a couple hundred meters from the end of the, you know, the actual trail. I stopped and I mucked around, took my earphones out and just so I could hear if, you know, there was anybody down there and so even just that 30 seconds alone, oh. I'd have had it. But that wasn't, you know, the goal going in. The sure. goal was just, yeah. to, just to survive it really because I yeah. had, didn't have, you know, an actual training for it at all. Yeah. It was really just grit that got me through it, I guess. <laughs> well, and it yeah. went a couple of thousand K on the bike. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> And an incredibly tough goat race where you, you, yeah. you came second to the legend Seals Corporal. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, and that, that, there's that photo that you posted up and, I mean, with your permission to repost it, your face says it all. You just look like <laughs> – you look oddly quite, like, relaxed for <laughs> someone who's done it, but just you looked like you were just, like you said, in La La Land, like literally yeah. away with the fairies. Yeah, it was, it was quite a surreal feeling finishing it. Like, I don't know, it was just – pretty broken and I didn't like I didn't I had um there was a guy from Wellington Kyle Malone he actually offered to pick up my bike from the start and take it to the finish which is you know extremely generous of him but yeah so when I got to the finish there was a couple of people there and my bike and then yeah one of the guys had some pizza and some something to drink and had that and then yeah they headed off home and then yeah I decided I didn't have anything organised where I was going to stay or anything, so I just pitched my tent in the car park and, yeah, tried to get a couple of hours sleep, but sort of woke up feeling like I was, you know, recovering from an autopsy and, uh, <laughs> yeah, put the call out to try and get some help. <laughs> hit your, hit your, what do they call it? Hit your e in the car park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's an, that's yeah. an, I mean, that would have added a, uh, that's a factor of difficulty though, right? That is a degree of difficulty. Like you think, oh yeah, Airbnb, get a ride back in the car, but no, there's your bike. There's yeah. your bike just ready to go and everyone's like, see you later. Wow. <laughs> who, who came to the rescue in the end? Uh, so it was Western Hills dad. So they live oh, about 10, 10 k's away from the finish sort of 
car park. Um, so luckily, yeah, he come to the rescue. Uh, yeah, John Hill come to the to the rescue, and they sort of nursed me back to health for a couple of days. <laughs> we, how, um, like, how broken yeah. were you? Oh, it it was pretty bad. Yeah, um, yeah, really bad actually. But uh, <laughs> recovering from yeah. autopsies does that to you. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, just sleeping on the stones of my tent straight off it probably wasn't ideal but yeah that'd probably teach me for not being organized and just sort of winging everything <laughs> and so then then did you get back on your bike and ride back to amberley or uh no i biked i got as far as blenheim but right. uh i i sort of ag- aggravated some like um tendon sleeves or something in the top of my ankle there and i just i just couldn't do it like you couldn't yeah i just couldn't pedal properly so right. i had to had to tap out and um, yeah, threw my bike on the back of a freight truck and hopped in with the driver and yeah, cruised on home. And it was sort of, it was almost a bit of an anticlimax getting home, you know, not being able to actually bike the whole thing. But yeah, um, it was still, yeah, it was just a really cool yeah, couple of weeks anyway. Absolutely. Were, yeah. you, were you riding, so what sort of um, terrain were you riding? I'm guessing you didn't go State Highway 1. Uh, no. So I went from Ambly up through State Highway 7 to Hamner, Hamner Springs, and then went through the Molesworth. Oh, nice. And then yeah. through Molesworth, oh, pardon me, um, down the Oatry Valley, over to Blenheim, and then you yeah, get to Wellington, and then I went out sort of to the East Coast and up mm-hmm. through, um, oh, is it, might be Highway 52, or something like that. Is that the Forgotten Highway? Uh, you didn't that one, did you? Through through mm, back in New Plymouth? Uh, no, no, uh, no. This side. is from sort of in the Wire Rapper oh, up towards right. okay. um, up towards Hastings, I guess. But just yeah. as like beautiful, you know, quiet country roads and mm. just really cool scenery. And managed to stay with a couple of friendly folk that are um, just sort of reached out to me on the social media. And yeah, it was yeah, it was awesome. Right. And that have been the second, so that, you know, you, you're kind of returning because, you know, as as we know that n- nothing really went on in 2020, but you'd actually, you'd won the GOAT on the alternative course in 2019. Yeah. So that was in, that was a, a very, very, very inclement weather. Um, yeah, so it was pretty bad weather up high. Um, so they had to, yeah, put us on a different route. Um, which I was really dreading when I heard that they'd changed it. But then I actually I ended up just absolutely loving it and having a blast. So it's funny how those sort of things turn out like that. Hmm. Um, yeah. And how was it racing, um, you know, like like you say, you know, you say the legend, like um, Seals Corporal. How, I mean, how was that? Oh, it really puts you in your place. Um, I don't know, it's just really cool. Like he's... He's been crushing the goat for, you know, I think he's won eight times now. Mm. And um, I don't know, he's just, you know, he's early 40s, but just absolutely crushing it. He just, you know, he just run a 15 minute 25K, you know, just recently. Um, I don't know, he's just quite an inspiration, actually. Like, I think I'd love to be able to think that I could run that fast once I get to his age and mm. you know, still be crushing things like he is. He's just a lean racing machine, isn't he? He's a oh, remarkable yeah. figure. I, I yeah. saw him in the distance at Rotorua. Actually, I was a, bit, a little bit scared to approach him because he just <laughs> looked – he's just a legend and, and just so um, 
yeah, he's just just built for racing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's you know incredibly humble and just mm. such a nice guy, and yeah, yeah. Mm. But he was sort of one of the when I first got into running, like he was one of the sort of guys I really looked up to and thought, oh, it would be cool to be like him one day, sort of thing. Mm. I yeah. remember. I mean, yeah, I remember going onto the GOAT website when I first started thinking about trail running and racing and stuff, and they had that photo of him, and he's sort of coming over the top, and he, and I was just like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. You know? Like, I was just like, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, he's a different, he's built differently, as, as the kids say. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 Is that, so the, the, the um, terrain of the GOAT is, is quite something. What is it that that you? I mean, do you like running on those sorts of on that that sort of track, or what is what is your favourite type of running? Um, yeah, pretty much the rougher and the more horrible, the better for me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mainly because with my job and everything, I'm just so used to walking on rough terrain, you know, off trail, rocks, tussocks, scree, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so I guess you know you got to play to your strengths a bit and. Yeah, so anything that's rough and technical is, yeah, the ones I try and do mainly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this isn't, you know, you, you talk about, you know, Ryan Carr's cycling adventures. Um, you went to Europe and cycled around doing sky races and, and vertical kilometres and all that sort of business. How, how was that? Yeah, so um, the first season I went to Europe was really cool. I did, you know, a lot of sky um the Skyrunning World Series races and all that. But then, yeah, I went back the following year um, to do the same thing again. Managed to get one VK race done and then I ended up with uh, shin splints quite bad in one leg. And it was sort of got to a point where I was either going to have to just um, cut my losses and, you know, fly home and give up on it. Or, yeah, I just had this idea that I'd buy a bike and, still tour around some of the races and just support my mates that were over there doing these races. And, um, yeah, um, it was really quite magic that the, the Alps over there are just, I know they're just incredible. Like these roads that go up, you know, for a couple of thousand meters and you just, you're spending like four or five hours hauling your way up these roads and get to these mountaintops. And it's just, I know it's just stunning. Mm. Um, yeah, but that was, yeah, it was really, Really awesome, actually. So that was so you had two two years two or two seasons up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And well, hopefully get back there again. But yeah, we shall see about that. <sighs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it, all bets are off at the moment, isn't it? it? It's hard to kind of tell. Yeah. In fact, Eugene and I were talking about it this morning. We were out and run together. We were like, you know, it's hard to. It's hard to, and you can see it with race entries, you can see it with all sorts of stuff, even thinking about UTMB, which is coming up soon. Mm. It's hard to think about, I mean, these races are happening, but what that looks like, and especially if you're planning to sort of, you know, kind of tour around and, and get from place to place in a more leisurely manner, you know, how you do that safely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the, you know, the, the big thrill about the racing over there is like the crowds and that sort of thing as well. It's all... You know, the massive, um, you know, um, oh, I can't think of the word right now, but just the, um, you know, all the spectators really just get you going. And, mm. you know, without all the spectators they're watching, I don't know if it'd be quite the same, mm. um, same sort of spectacle, but yeah. Well, again, there's, Fingers that, crossed for next year. there's yeah. that photo of you coming up, you know, at, at Zagama, you know, and you are literally, you're running up, uh, you know, a really 
small uh, piece of trail and there's people on both sides, like, and they're, like, within... It's like Tour de France. Yeah, it's like the Tour de France, yeah. really. Hopefully no one causing massive crashes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that must be so, like, what a lift. Yeah, it's it's the most incredible feeling, like, running up through those. They're basically just, like, human tunnels, and there's people just slapping on the back and on the ass and giving you pushes, and, you know, everybody's throwing coke at you if you want it and all that sort of stuff, and they're just screaming in Spanish at you. It's, I don't know, and the more you egg them on, like, the crazier it gets. It's Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that's, I don't know, it's, these are quite speechless, that sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, can, you can't really imagine the New Zealand equivalent, can you? No, like, you don't sort no. of. Good on you, Ryan, well done, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up, mate. Yeah, yeah, not a, far a to go. A solid handshake at the finish, <laughs> and that's sort of about it. <laughs> yeah. Although I remember, like, one year doing the Kepler, and it was, you know, you'd get the beautiful thing about the Kepler is you'd get that full range of, you know, international tourist, like, and some of them would look at you like, what are you up to? But there were some of the Europeans and, and you know, passing them over the top and they were just like, oh, yeah. You know, you, they were really, and they knew right. they knew what was going on and they were fully yeah. all about it. They were just like jazzed up, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was a really yeah. cool. Well, it's actually, sorry, to give Kepler's credit, with that uh, two years ago with the, uh, and probably the same for you last year, with the alternative course when you came back through the control gates. Yeah. And there was people lined up on either side and hooting and hollering. It certainly gets your heart rate going and makes you want to um, give it your best, that's for sure. So I, I can't, oh, I yeah. just can't imagine what it's like to do a run like Sagama where it's, like that's for significant stretches of the race. Yeah, I think it's something like ten thousand people get out on course and <laughs> wow. spectate that race. It's yeah, it's phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, but even even in a race in New Zealand, if you're running through somewhere and you know, if there's three or four people clapping and cheering at you, even that just gives you oh, a massive yeah. lift. Definitely. Um, Hugs yeah, out. yeah, 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 definitely. What was the what was your favourite race over there? Um, it's quite a tough one. So I did quite a few, and they all had the, you know, the cool parts about it. Um, mm. My favourite route, like actual race route, was probably the Ring of Steel Sky Race in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just sort of like traditional tramping route, and you end up yeah you race around it, and it's um I don't know it's just really technical and rough and nice like beautiful ridge lines and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, good remind, Scottish weather. Remind you a bit of home. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like that season, I spent six months over in total, and for the first five months, and this was the first time I'd ever travelled, and so the first five months I was in countries that didn't speak English. It was probably starting to get a little bit homesick towards the end, and then you got to Scotland, and it just actually just felt like I was home, and it was mm. yeah, it was awesome. Mm, mm. Yeah. And so 2019, so the Shinsplint sort of put a um, spoke in, uh, uh, stick in the spoke for the um racing but but getting on the bike and getting around that just sounds amazing and traveling around like that yeah it was it's probably one of the best things we've ever done i reckon um mm. and there's you know still getting to the races and getting amongst the race environment and that and you know, still hanging out for my mates and then they'd catch their plane or their bus or the jump in their car to the next race and i'd hop on my bike and <laughs> you know meet them there in a week's time or whatever and yeah it was, uh, yeah, it was really good. Is there, is there, what sort of, um, is the, what's the Kiwi scene like racing around Europe? 
Sorry, what was that? What's the Kiwi scene like racing around Europe? You know, there's a few Kiwis who kind of go up there and do it. Um, there must be, a lot, must be a lot of camaraderie and good to see someone from home. And Yeah. Um, I didn't see a lot of Kiwis um, when I was over there, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up the first um, sky race that I went and did was in uh, – it was the Yarding Sky Run in Tibet, and I met quite a few people there that were sort of doing the series. So I ended up just sort of meeting up with them at every race. Right. And, um, you know, becoming quite good friends with most of them, which yeah. was uh, pretty cool. And so you just, you know, you catch up with them every race and then end up staying with one of them in Scotland for a month before the Ring of Steel Sky Race. And, yeah, we still, you know, catch up quite frequently now. Mm. That's incredible, man. Amberley or, you know, I guess – you know, Canterbury to Tibet. How how was that? I mean, what was racing in Tibet like? Um, it was crazy. It was, um, and I don't know, just like stepping off the plane even. That's I think where we landed, it's the highest airport, highest commercial airport in the world or something. It's like 4,000 metres. So you step off the plane onto the, you know, the walkway and you just get lightheaded straight away. And <laughs> it's like you had to hold the rail. And, yeah. But luckily you like hop in a bus and you drop altitude pretty quick down to, I don't know, three and a half thousand meters, but yeah, it was a hell of a shock to the system. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, there's just some beautiful mountains there, and yeah, it was uh, the race itself. The I think it started at three thousand meters, went up to about four thousand seven hundred, and then yeah, come back down to finish at about four thousand four hundred or something like that. <sighs> but it's just yeah, I, was, I think I was there for like the worst amount of time possible right. to actually get acclimatized. So it was, yeah, it was a bit, bit of a battle, but you know, pretty much everybody was battling anyway, so it wasn't yeah. so bad. Yeah, because there's that sort of awkward middle ground, isn't it? It's either you you fly in and do it, or you get there a decent amount of time before and you acclimatise. But that awkward, yeah, yeah, exactly. awkward middle ground is not fun. No, no, not at all. Although I did, oh. I did a little bit of work in a um, at the Vertex Altitude Training um, place in Christchurch, but. I spent a couple of weeks in Australia before I went to um, Tibet, so I probably lost, you know, any right. benefit I had from that anyway. Yeah, yeah. But and was it, it was all good. Did it make you sick and headaches and nosebleeds and that sort of stuff, or just just um, not feeling very good? Not nosebleeds and sickness, just like some bad headaches at times. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. You just no. sort of didn't want to spend too much time up high. Yeah. And luckily, where I spent most of the time. Um, and the hotel was like 3,000 metres. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, a lot lower. And amazing place to be. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Just like, yeah, just driving to the village where the race started, you know, it's just all these old traditional Tibetan farmers and that with their little lots and on their little tractors and, you know, got the yaks and all that. And then yeah. next thing you get to this place and there's just these massive, like, high-rise hotels and things that the you know, Chinese are building in there and, um, there's some quite stark contrasts in there, but mm. yeah. But um, one thing that's really cool about there, we're up um, just for a bit of a recce one day, and we got up to this point that was about, it was just over 5,000 metres, but then this little wee Tibetan guy comes wandering up the hill with his herd of yaks. I think he had you know 25 yaks, and he was cruising up there, just thought nothing of it, popped over the saddle and away, carried on out into the distance, mm. um, you know, and just... That's just the norm for them. It's, mm. Yeah, nothing nothing new. Did you pick up any traditional yeah. shepherding tips? 
Um, no, I didn't, but yeah, certainly different to, to what I do anyway. Yeah. Did, it ar- did it arouse any sort of professional curiosity? I mean, how big is a yak? Um, the yaks are like a sort of a small cow, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, but to like to control them, to steer them where he wanted them to go, he had a little sling and he'd put a little rock in the end of it and he'd, you know, flick a rock <laughs> wow. outside them and the, the rock would bounce and they'd, you know, scare off to one way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was, it was quite cool to watch him making ever, his way around. Do you anyway. ever threaten your dogs with that? Like, mate, if you, if you don't if you don't shape yeah. up, I'm going to replace you with a rock. <laughs> no, it's more my dogs sort of stay far enough away that I can't hit them with a rock and I'm throwing it. And you yeah. think, I mean, like, thinking about shepherding, and because I wanted to ask you how did you start, what was your pathway into shepherding? But, like, you've got to think about a dude in Tibet who's got yaks and he's got, a sling and a rock. How long has that method of, you know, sort of animal management or, or, or that profession and that kind mm. of tradition or, 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 you know, procedure, you know, how many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years has that been going on for? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be, you know, thousands of years that they've just been doing that same stuff. Like every year he's probably taking those yaks about the same day over that hill to the you know, the fresh pasta that's grown in the next valley or whatever. And mm. yeah. Mm. Incredible. How, I mean, yeah. How did you get into shepherding? What was your sort of pathway into the profession? Um, so growing up, like I grew up in Ambly, which is just a small rural town and dad always drove uh, fertilizer spreaders. So he knew a lot of farmers and that like knew all the farmers in the area. And then in the school holidays, we used to go up to one farm and, you know, help them with tailing and that sort of thing and muck around and, I guess that sowed the seed. Um, and then, yeah, I got sort of sick of school in fifth form and uh, ended up yeah, dropping out before the end of fifth form um, and just started driving tractors and mucking around on farms. And then yeah, it wasn't until I was yeah, 18 that I actually yeah, got a, started getting a team of dogs together and actually started doing you know proper proper shepherding, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, how, what's the pro- again? You know, not to make this the, the you know shepherding weekly or anything, but like, what is the pro- you said you get a team of dogs together? That must be an incru- like a, a detailed process of getting a team of dogs that are gonna. I mean, obviously they're up for it, right? Because they're sheep dogs, but learning the commands or getting them to come back and do all the things that they need to do. Yeah, so it, it does take a long time to get a, like a good team of dogs together. I was lucky; I got given a um, a good hunt away. For a start, and then you know, I got a, a decent heating dog bought for me. And if you got a you know good heating dog and good huntway, you're sort of well on the way. And then you know you might get a pup, and then you spend you know a couple of years training the pup and getting it you know to a working point, and then you might get another one. So you know after a couple of three years, you might have three or four dogs, and yeah, and then you sort of. But it does it takes a lot of work. You got to put a lot of time into it in those early stages to get it, you know get them going properly and working as they should. New Zealand television viewing is not the same since Dog Show finished, I, must, I must say. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I remember I just moved to New Zealand when I was a kid and I was just like, what? what is this? You know, my granddad would be watching it. <laughs> yeah. My dad would be like, I can't look away. You know, like, well, I don't understand what's happening, but this was like on a Sunday, <laughs> uh, sun, Sunday afternoon, eh? about yeah, 3 o'clock so. in the afternoon at the yeah. Dog Show. Incredible. Just for those yeah. overseas, televised, televised sheep herding. Yeah. And it was competitive. It was, yeah, that, competitive. It was, 
a little bit before my time, but yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> even right now, I've sort of like I've got the tune ringing in my head of exactly you know the dog so tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and those, they, I'm sure they bred the really naughty sheep just for the program as well. Yeah, well, sheep are you know extremely unpredictable. Yeah, they just you know I think they had special sheep at a time and yeah, you know, yeah. sheep's going to do what a sheep wants to do sort of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. imagine if someone rocked up there with the sling and the rock instead of a dog <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah or like the the movie babe where someone rocks up with a pig oh yeah, yeah true true that's true that's right yeah yeah, yeah yeah so was was growing up in Emberley was was running a thing for you um yeah at primary school I guess I just had a bit of a natural gift like most years I'd win, you know, the cross country and maybe the long distance race, and you know, always um, did raise me well with it. But never, I was never training or anything like that. You know, parents would say, "I oh, want you go for a run." I'd say, "Oh, I'd rather sit here and eat cake or whatever." But I sort of had no concept of what the training would actually do back then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think um, got to year eight, and so me and it was actually my best friend. Every year we'd be one and two in the cross country, and um, year eight was the first year. That he actually beat me, and um, that was because he had started training, and uh, ah. that was pretty much that was pretty much the end of my sort of childhood running, though. Yeah, um, didn't really continue it in high school much, but uh, yeah, eventually yeah. come back to it, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so you you literally when he beat you, you're like can't win, don't try. <laughs> no, tra- no, it training wasn't quite. As, <laughs> no, it wasn't quite as bad as that. It was more like got to high school and. Because I wasn't training, I was getting my ass kicked, and I don't know you're getting to the age where you're hitting puberty, and it's probably yeah. cooler to have a girlfriend than to be running cross country or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sort of the way it went. Yeah, other priorities take yeah. Uh, yeah take hold. So how did you get back into it? Um, so when oh, I've done quite a lot of hunting trips down to Stuart Island, and one of my dad's friends' friends um used to come down with us on the early trips, so I'm. I was probably, you know, 15, 16 at this point. And um, I just remember him telling these stories, you know, sitting around the campfire at night um, and he'd be telling me these stories about, you know, these races that he used to go to, um, like the old traditional races like the Creases Crossing and uh, I think like Avalanche Peak and that sort of thing. Um, and just, I don't know how he had these great times. He'd go out and do these races and smash himself and then, he'd, you know, party all night and get back to his tent at the end of the night and it was just, you know, a hell of a good time and, yeah, the sort of, I guess it just sat in the back of my mind for a few years. And then, um, yeah, when I was about, I don't know, 20, I guess, I seen an ad in the paper for the Avalanche Peak Challenge. And, um, yeah, ended up, I thought, oh, you know, it might be time to have a crack at this. And posted my entry in and went for a couple <laughs> of training runs. And, yeah, and that was the start. You, you're really dating yourself. You said the ad in the paper. And then you yeah. had to post in. Was it, did you send a check or cash? Um, I think it was a check, but I might have had to get a check from my parents, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's um, the, that was the thing, though. Yeah. Like people, so millennials listening, are going, "What's the check? Do you remember? Yeah. What's the post? Did you, yeah. What's the po- <laughs> What is this paper you speak of? Who's got the attention span for that? But like, that's the thing, right? Like, remember getting a checkbook? Did you mm. ever get a checkbook? Your first checkbook? I did. Yeah. And you like? I thought it was the greatest thing ever at the time. Yeah. Mm. I have a right. Yeah. I am an adult now. I can enter. This by post, will you? T- yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, yeah. just 
Yeah, yes. that, that's your right. So anyway, digressing about how old we all are, but you, you uh, off our postal, off our, uh, po- off our postal and banking <laughs> podcast from that's our shipping right. podcast. Yeah. Back to what are we supposed to do? Oh, that's right, running, yeah. running. So you into this race. I mean, how did that go for you? What, what was your, what was your experience um, there? Yeah, it was really cool because their March Peak Challenge. It doesn't run. They don't have it anymore. But it was, it was like a true mountain race. You started in Arthur's Pass Village and ran up. You know, the track just behind the village, I don't actually know what it's called, but it goes up to sort of Avalanche Peak, which is all like quite rocky ridgeline, and then you drop down this huge scree, which is the most horrendous scree you could ever think of putting people down in a race, and then you go yeah, out a rocky riverbed for, I don't know, it might be 15 kilometres or something, and finish at the Bailey Pub, but um, yeah, I was just, I had no idea what I was in for, I you know, didn't know what nutrition was or anything like that, I think probably had a bottle of Powerade in my bag, and that would have been about it. But, um, yeah, I just had a great time and hit the scree and, you know, being used to moving on that sort of stuff, I just went like a cut cat down the scree and, yeah, I think I might have finished up 18th or something that day and did it again the following year and got fourth and then, yeah, unfortunately, I never had it again. Oh. But, yeah. We need to bring and, it back. Uh, yeah, it would be a cool one to bring back because it's, I don't know, it's just – even just like the the riverbed running at the end is just there's no markings. You just all you know is once you come out of the Crow River, you got to get a beeline, you know, to the Bailey Pub, and you just take whatever line you want to get there, pretty much. Wow! So you might be up to your chest and water in the river, and you know it's yeah, it's pretty pretty good fun. It's amazing how racers have their life uh, span, and it's it makes me quite sad that a race like that. Which sounds, I mean, the word epic's overused in our culture, right? But it sounds epic. That sounds like yeah. you're just going out and like fully just getting after it. And it's, yeah, and, and, and it's not happening anymore. And, you, you know, yeah, you run through a river over some scree to a pub. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, yeah. sounds like a pretty good time. Oh, yeah. Did you get into yeah, any? The, did you get into any of the fell running? That sort of what you're describing, like mainly the finishing at the pub, um, reminds me of fell running in the UK. Did you get into any of that when you're up in Scotland? Uh, no, but I did. So I'm, I'm good friends with the guy Finley Wild, and he so he's won the Ben Nevis race. When I was over there, he'd won it nine times in a row. Wow! And Yikes. it was on when I was there, and so I went out and watched him running that. And uh, so that's sort of the only thing I had to do with the fell race as such. I think they call it hill running in Scotland, but mm. um, yeah, it was yeah. Seeing this guy smash his tenth win in a row was quite incredible. Pretty but amazing. yeah, yeah, it, I think I don't know. It's quite a, that sort of foul running thing's pretty awesome concept. We just got to get to the top of the hill and you know back to the pub or whatever to mm. finish, mm. Um, and they just take the lines and yeah, cool concept. Yeah, it's a really cool concept, and it's the cool. I I like how you know there's there's one specific. Have you, have you heard of that specific shoe brand? And it's made in a town in the north of England. Walsh's. That's it. <laughs> and they yeah, make so, bell running shoes, and that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I think they take like take like two years to break in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's my my mate Finley. He actually he was wearing these Walsh shoes. Um. When he was doing the Ben Nevis race. Wow. Wow. I mean, you yeah. soaked them Was he wearing a bum bag as well? Because that's the thing, too, right? Like yep. <laughs> cottons or, you know, the old singlet, singlet shorts, yeah. bum bag. Yeah. Yeah. Walsh's yeah. Uh, um, soaked in pale ale. That's right. Warm pale ale. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So a wee while ago, I bought a bum bag because you know I've never seen all these people over there running with bum bags. I thought oh, it might be pretty good, and then. I sort of I bought it for more for mountain biking, but then I tried running with it, and I I don't know how the hell nah. they actually run with them over there. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to have them cinched just so, eh? Because even you know if you've got a yeah anything around your waist when you're running, I mean apart if it's not just like tight against you, yeah, tight against your body, you're in for you're in for. A yeah, trip. it's either going to be um, like mass chafing, yeah, or or like deep scarring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of your two options, but even like. Yeah, you had it like done up quite tight, and then next minute it was around on my front, and then you know <laughs> yeah. bouncing up around the chest, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just didn't annoying. work. So yeah, that, that's just straight mountain biking uh, <laughs> bum bag now. That and again, that seems to I remember you know things come back around. I remember I used to mountain bike quite a bit when I was a when I was a teenager, and the bum bags were the jam, and then it went to like camelbacks, and now it seems yep. like it's back to bum bags, and it's yeah. I just think, you know, like a Sunday bus, it'll come back around mm. eventually. Yeah. Did you keep hold of your one? No, I didn't. But I've got one that my A-Up lights came in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the A-Up lights come with a bum bag. Yeah. But, again, not, not worn it running. It's just not a – there's no – yeah, there's just no 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 way I'd do that and put myself in. No. <laughs> so do you – I mean, what's next, Ryan? I mean, what are you, what are you looking forward to? Oh – De- well, definitely the goat next year, um, which is in late January, I think. That's probably the m- main goal at this point. But I'm undecided. There's sort of two options I'm looking at for the for later in this year. One's yeah, it's sort of like either one extreme or the other. One's quite a short race. That's I know it's like you know maybe less than an hour's racing, whereas the other one's probably eight or ten hours racing. So <laughs> I just haven't quite decided which way I'm going to go yet. I was sort of just waiting to see how this resilience ultra went and whether the distance, whether I was going to enjoy the distance and mm. that. Did you enjoy so, it? I did. I like. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say every minute of it until, you know, like pretty much every minute of it until about six k to go was like just yeah heavy pace the whole time, which yeah. was cool. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah. And but, what uh, what impact will the will the new does the new job um, influence things as well. Like, is that going to have um, an impact on your training and stuff? Or no, it shouldn't do. It's probably, if anything, going to get me out the door training more because I'll be able to walk pretty much out my back door and you know go straight up a two thousand meter peak. <laughs> yeah, and you know I can lie in bed looking out at Mount Earnsaw, which is like you know two thousand eight hundred meters. Wow. And I can probably knowing that I can get to the summit, you know, in a day and back is uh, yeah, it could be dangerous for me actually. <laughs> yeah. Having yeah. too much to do, yeah, but um, yeah. the job itself, like, there's gonna, it's only going to be forty hours a week, so there's still going to be a lot of time Great. to get the training in, which yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. morning, Matt and I were in the Riverhead Forest where we can get up to 170 meters. I mean, yeah, you know, just like just, that. You don't <laughs> just, don't want to make you jealous or anything, yeah. but you know, yeah, you, you take breaks to acclimatize. You know, <laughs> there's right. benches. There's a that's series right. of benches and that's refuges. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that you, you, you spend time at, you know, nitrogen in the blood. No, that's diving, isn't it? But no, th- that's incredible. Like that just sounds like laying in bed like there's a 2,800 meter peak mm. that, you, that you can get up. And it's, I mean, it's so nice that so much of like what you talk about is you're active all the time and you're yeah. 
you got, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's a lot. I mean, some people run 200 kilometers a week, right? And they can sustain that or whatever. Some people run 120 and that's the, what you can sustain. But everything else in your life backs up that kind mm. of activity. Yeah. So it's, yeah, Definitely. it's yeah. you don't have to be doing the 200 Ks a week. No. Because you're, no. you're doing so much else. Yeah, sometimes it could be detrimental um, to me, but yeah, I think in general it just means I've got a good base there mm. um, to build on. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And, and where? So, are you? Are you? Have you thrown yourself on the on the kindness of strangers now, man? Are you? Because <laughs> you were supposed to be home. Are you? Are you pitched up in someone's? You're not sleeping in your car or anything, are you? <laughs> um, oh, just there's a good bus stop here. <laughs> um, now, luckily, I've got some friends of friends here in Reefton, and so I've um, I've just been staying with them since Friday. Fair and nice. so they said, just yeah, staying at night and it's good as gold. The I don't know the people here is extremely friendly, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, they seem quite happy. So yeah, which works out good. Fantastic. Don't have to be shivering away in a wet tent or anything. No, like that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Trying to push the snow off the sides of your t- Is it snow? So it's 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 snowing in Refton at the moment. Uh, I don't think so. I'm just looking out the window now, and no, it's just windy and rainy. Right there, you go. Look, Ryan. Yeah. I mean. You've pulled this together with us at short notice. Really appreciate it. It's been great to catch up with you again. The la- in fact, the last time I saw you, um, you were um, making fun of me as I put myself back together in the Kepler medical tent. <laughs> in this forest. <laughs> in a very, in a, but though in a very, very nice, good-natured way. I can imagine. What it meant is he actually came and sat with me, uh, him and Grant, while I um, zipped myself back up again. And um, yeah. But, man, it's nice to talk to you again. And, look... Dirt Church Radio being what it is, we're going to ask you that question that we ask everyone um, at the end of our episode, and that's Ryan Carr. What's been your greatest run ever? Um, I've been thinking about this for a long, long time, actually, as to what it was going to be, and there's a few that were sort of, you know, really good runs. Most most of mine are pretty much all races because I just really love racing, but um, I think the standout for me was, yeah, when I did Zagama um, in... 2018, but it wasn't just because of the race and the you know the crazy amount of people and then of course, um, also because of, like the locals in the town. So I went there. I, I hired a car in Barcelona and drove out to there. I don't know how far it was. You know, six hours drive or eight hours drive. I'm not actually sure, but um, got to this little town and I just had my tent and my sleeping bag. And so each evening at about um, you know just before dark, I'd go up to this little playground that was up the hill and I'd pitch my tent in there and camp there for the night and then before light in the morning I'd get rid of my tent and hide it in the car and, you know, go and do my thing for the day, sit at the shops drinking hot chocolates or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I was talking to a, a Spanish friend that I had um, here in New Zealand and he said, oh, go to this house. Um, you know, I know this lady there, you know, you can wash your clothes and have a shower. And I thought, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. So went and knocked on this door and then, um, I didn't speak really an ounce of Spanish and she spoke no English, but we just communicated through Google um, Translate and, yeah, she ended up inviting me into her house, give me a bed. So this is still, you know, a week out from the race. So she ended up putting me up for the whole week before the race, um, like feeding me every night, you know, making breakfast, lunch and everything like that. It was just crazy, the, you know, the hospitality of these people. And then I think there was like one guy in town you know, who spoke English and she linked me up with him and, you know, he took me out on pub crawls nearly every night 
leading up to the race and, you know, tours out to different farms and things like that. And, yeah, so it's just like the whole people for a start just really set a good vibe, I guess. And then in the race itself, like I had a, probably quite a terrible race, like performance-wise, but just, I don't know, just running through all these people, like thousands and thousands of people, and you just, I don't know, you just get this this massive lift from them. And, um, it's, yeah, words can't really describe, like, what it's like. And, you know, very few people are lucky to actually get the chance to run this race. And I don't know, it's just, it's just really quite incredible. Like it's, it's hard to find words, you know, to describe the feeling. Brilliant. Oh yeah. man, that's yeah. That's, I loved good travel stories. Yeah, uh, good people story, and that's the thing. Eh? You've mm. been, I guess that's the thing. It's 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 the people that make the experience. Hey. Eh? Yeah. Ryan, yeah, for it's, sure. It's bloody good to talk to you, and and like congratulations on your mm. win, and I, I'm, well I'm stoked to see what you get up to next. Yeah, thank you so much. Cool, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll catch up again sooner rather than later. Yeah, cool. That sounds good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Cheers, right. Speaking of dogs, you know, like mm. I've got a dog, I've got a sheep dog, I've got a heading dog. Mm. But then, actually, I'm useless. Like it made me think if Ryan got my dog oh. for I don't know, yeah, three days. It, the dog would be like using the microwave, and you know, <laughs> you can imagine if someone put the someone who knew what to do yeah. with a dog like that. Yeah, I'm doing my best. We do our best. He's okay, sure. but he's not potentialized. Do you think I'd be a bit worried? He'd have a slight running up the hills. That's right. <laughs> well, he actually does. He actually yeah. does do. Well, he does. Have you ever seen him in that full yeah. dingo? Yeah, he goes full yeah. dingo. Mm-hmm. Atrocious. Um, Ryan, thank you. That was an amazing conversation. I'm sorry that we took you off on lots of discursive uh, your conversations or back alleys and so on. But um, thank you for bearing with us. Absolutely. And thank you very much for bearing with us. Yes. And thank you for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com and you can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe. Leave a review if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Mm, don't forget to write in with your greatest friend ever or go and read them on the website. And go, please go and read um, today's one, Emily's one. Um, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to our sponsors, Earshots, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli, thank you to our Patreon patrons. Thank you to Wild Things. And thank you to our editor, Kieran. Man, he's getting after it. He is. Yep. Uh, we have got a great show lined up for next week. So tune in then. Ka kite, Ka kite. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>